Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. with me in the word of the Lord to the book of Joel, Joel chapter number three, Joel chapter number three, and I want to read a couple of verses of scripture there. Of course, the book of Joel is very significant to us Pentecostals. This is where the prophet prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and revival coming to the people of God. And I would like to read maybe a continuation of that prophecy there, beginning with verse 9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. We'll read that again. It said, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am strong. I want to take my title from verse 9. It says, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. And I want to adapt that just a little bit and uh, preach here tonight from this subject with the Lord's help. Wake up the mighty man. Wake up the mighty man man. Praise the Lord. I know that this particular passage of Scripture has rich prophetic meaning, and it has probably more than just one meaning, many prophecies. Uh, he was, the prophet was prophesying to the people of that time, and in other instances also, it extends to you and I as a part of the church today. It's still relative, and it's still applicable. And I feel like this is one of those prophecies uh, that we could read and be encouraged by in this present time. And when I say mighty man, I'm not speaking of just being gender specific here, but I'm, I'm speaking of mankind. And many times in the Word of God when it uses this terminology, it's not talking about just a man or a male, but it's talking about mankind. I realize here when it's talking about men of war, it's probably talking about the male gender and going to war. But I feel like the Lord would want us to receive a bigger principle from this tonight. So I'm preaching it to everybody. Wake up the mighty man. Would you lift up your voice with me and let's pray together for the Spirit of the Lord to have its way here tonight. Jesus, we thank you so very much for your great presence, your power your anointing that we have felt already in this place this evening. Thank you, God, for your goodness and mercy. 
Thank you, Lord, for visiting us. And I pray, God, that you would work in the continuation of this service. Anoint both speaker and the hearer tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And could you praise the Lord with me again? Come on, let's really give some praise unto the Lord. Isn't he so good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I realize that you take a big risk when there's been a visitation from the Lord and a move of the Holy Ghost in a service as there has been already. But uh, you take a big risk that people's probably given about all they're going to give. But I just feel like the Lord wants to do a little bit more here tonight. So how many's got room for the Holy Ghost to move in your life? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I don't know if we have any deep sleepers in the house tonight. Anybody be willing to admit it that I'm a, I'm a deep sleeper? I see a few hands. I don't know if I qualify as a deep sleeper. I was reminded uh, Brother Spell and I had went over to a place where he fishes in Mississippi. And it's a unique property there because uh, it's a lake that has uh, been stocked with bass, trophy bass, and if you follow him on any social media, you've probably seen a few of those bass. Can the church say amen to that? Sometimes I wonder if he does anything else but fish. But anyhow, uh, he invited me to go, and there's a man that owns this property his name, I don't know what his real name is, but he's called Bubba Flanagan. And uh, he's an elderly man, and he, he looks just like his name. He wears overalls, and uh, he has the appearance of a farmer. And when I went there, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess I wasn't expecting that. But as we pulled up to the place, and I found out that this was the owner of this great big spread that has been developed, and now people are building custom homes, and he's selling lots off of this place. And then we went to the place where we were going to stay. We were staying in a back room, uh, sort of an apartment guest house area of Bubba Flanagan's home. And we went out there, and it's right there on a, on a bayou. And... Uh, got to spend a little time with this gentleman, and I found out his story, how that when he was just 12 years old, his parents divorced, and there were several children, him being one of the oldest. I don't know if he was the oldest, but he was certainly one of the oldest. And uh, when the news came that this had happened, uh, Bubba said he realized that, well, uh, there's a lot of children here. And Mama's probably not going to be able to take care of us all. And this was back uh, probably just after uh, the Great Depression times. And so times were not as good as they are today. There certainly wasn't a lot of help uh, for them to lean upon. And he said, as we were driving through this little town called Pilahatchee, Mississippi, this is where this lake is, he said, I, I noticed the sawmill over there. And uh, he said, Mama, just pull over. He said, I, I'm going to go and ask for work. He said, you can't afford to raise me and all these children. He said, I'm 12 years old. I'm man enough to find a job, and I'm going to go and 
work there. And so he went and asked them for a job. They put him to work, probably knowing his circumstances, and he lived there in that sawmill and saved his money and had a great work ethic. And uh, he was blessed uh, to live there in that area and build up some businesses eventually in that area. But he always stayed grounded to the principles and and the virtues and where he came from and never lost uh, sight of that, never, never got haughty about it or prideful about the amount of money that obviously he had been blessed with. And he joined this little hunting club outside of town, which is where these lakes are now. And there was a lot of highfalutin people, politicians and people that, that had means that were there. Uh, in fact, I think it was a group uh, connected with Ducks Unlimited that had this piece of property. And they were sort of making light of the way that Bubba, Bubba Flanagan would dress and the way he acted and how he was just a country boy and his accent and all of that. And somebody made the statement, they said, you better watch how you treat Bubba Flanagan. Because he's liable to buy this place out and kick all of you guys off of it. And it was like a light bulb went on in Bubba Finnegan's mind. He said, you know, that's a pretty good idea. And in fact, he bought the place and developed it into what it is today. And he kicked all those fellows off and made it a private fishing resort. And uh, at the invitation of Brother Spell, I, I get to go there and fish every once in a while. And... Uh, Brother Spell said, you know, it's cool out here on this bayou. He said, said we're going to sleep tonight back here. And he said, uh, he said uh, you got a bed there right there by the window. He said, if you just open up that window, he said, we won't even have to use the air conditioning system tonight. And uh, he said, the breeze will come in. Well, I noticed when we pulled up there that there was a hound dog, uh, some kind of hunting hound that was running around out there free. And they was telling me about how much money that dog was worth and how good it was and all this kind of stuff. And so I was curious about it. I laid down there that night. The windows were open and, and it was comfortable and, and I was going off to sleep and I don't know what that hound dog smelled. I don't know what it had treed, but whatever it had treed, it seemed like it was right outside my window. And all night long it howled and it barked. And it barked, and it barked, and it barked. And Brother Spell seemed like he was oblivious to everything that was going on. He was just over there. I wouldn't say he was snoring, but he was fast asleep. It didn't bother him a bit. And so I tossed and turned, and I couldn't hardly wait till daylight came. When daylight came, I got up and uh, got ready, and we walked in. We were going to take Bubba to breakfast. And so we walked in and he was I can remember what right what he was doing he come out of his room and he was reaching for that strap for those overalls and he was hooking that front on that overalls and he said I'm gonna kill that dog I said if you give me the first shot I promise you you won't have to ha have to do that I can do it for you you know sleep is a peculiar thing. They did a little study that I heard about, about how to appropriately wake up sleepers. And uh, I don't know who decided to do this, but they said there's varying degrees and how, and, and levels of how you can wake up people that are asleep. 
And they range from something very subtle to something very drastic, depending on the depth of sleep that the person is in. And they suggested this, and I'm not going to give you all of them, but they suggested, first of all, to start brewing coffee. And the aroma will waffle its way into the room where the person is at. And just that aroma will awaken them. I don't know if that works for you. Uh, I do enjoy the smell of coffee in the morning. In fact, uh, if you know me, you know I enjoy drinking coffee. I don't just like smelling it. I like drinking it. And then, if that doesn't work, turn on soft music. And uh, you can see how they're just ramping this up with every, every level. And if the person doesn't stir, then go open the blinds or the curtains and let the sun come in. If that doesn't work, then go to that person and shake them softly on the shoulders and try to awaken them. And the more drastic these measures become, all the way to the point, I think one of them was to, to bang pots together and start rustling around in the kitchen. Maybe that will wake them up. Uh, my mother had a tactic. Uh, she would try in the morning before school to wake me up. She always told me to go to bed early, but, you know, just like most young men, I didn't want to go to bed on time. And I would find excuses to stay awake. And then when I did finally fall asleep, I wanted to sleep in. But I had to get up early in order to go to school. And so she would come by and plenty enough time for me to be able to get up and get ready. And she would just mention that I needed to get up, turn the lights in the hall on. But you know, that didn't have much effect on me. And I could sleep right through that. She'd come by and say something else, and I would sleep on through that. So finally, when the time was of essence, and my dad, who I rode with to school, uh, he would go to work, of course, and I would go to school. Uh, when, when, when time was, was getting short, she would walk into the room, and she would uh, take the blankets. She would get down at the end of the bed and just take the blankets and pull them off of my cold, tired body, and I would finally stir, and I would wake up. Uh, you know, that, that's one tactic. I don't know if God's in that. Of course, tonight, I'm not speaking about natural sleep or slumber, but I'm speaking from the standpoint of a spiritual perspective tonight, and it is intriguing the methods that God uses to stir us up and to wake us up spiritually. Sometimes he uses an anointed singer to sing a song. And I'm thankful for men and women of God that are used, uh, much like David of old was used and anointed to write songs that are more than just harmony and more than just words, more than just lyrics but they have a message in them. And that message can sometimes encourage us when we need encouragement. Can give direction to us and strength to us and stir something up within us. Oftentimes it's, it's a message that is preached. And all of us have received direct word from the Lord through the preaching of His word. That is His chosen method many times of getting our attention because it doesn't matter who you are, 
in this world that we're living in, you can become lackadaisical. You can become to the place that you're not as alert as you should be and as focused as you should be. And sometimes he even uses events of life. He can use a storm. He can use a trial. He can use, he can use God forbid, a tragedy sometimes to awaken us and startle us back to our senses and to help us to realize our need of Him. But God is far too good to us, I would say, to allow us to sleep on. God is too merciful to us to allow us to stay in our spiritual state of slumber. But He startles us. He awakens us. And He visits us. And one visitation from the Lord can literally change your life forever. It can change the direction of a person's life. One, one visitation from the Lord, it doesn't matter where you have allowed yourself to get to, you can get back on track because of one visitation from God. Uh, many of you remember Brother Arnold preaching for us a few months ago. And I remember him telling his testimony of how that he didn't really know anything about God. He was just a young man that had grown up in Brooklyn and moved down to Florida. And there in Florida he was living a life of sin, uh, living uh, in alcoholism and, and other things. And, and he and his young wife were having marital problems. And he said one night he'd come home from the bar room. He laid down to sleep. And in his drunken condition, after uh, falling asleep for just a little while, he said it was almost like somebody lifted up the windows and a breeze came into that room. And he said, I never felt anything like it before. I never experienced the power of God or the presence of God. I'd never had the Lord move on me like that. And he said, I, I, I woke straight up. I was sobered up immediately. I woke straight up, set up in the bed. And he said, I went over and checked the windows, but they weren't open. And he said, I began to wonder about the house because I could feel this presence and check the doors and, and wondered, is, is everything okay? Is there anybody else here? Not realizing that it was a visitation from God. And uh, he sat up for a little while, went back to bed, and the next night, same thing happened all over again. And then the third night, it happened again, and and when it happened this third night, he spoke out to his wife. He said, God is dealing with me and God is calling me. And this is where their journey began. And finding the Lord and, and uh, finding a church that would preach to them the truth. And what a testimony that is. But it all changed because of a visitation from God. God awakened him in the middle of the night. And more than just awakening us physically, God is able to stir us up spiritually and awaken us and help us to realize that He's got something more for us. That we're living at a lower level than what we really need to be. That we're settling for something less than what He has in store or has promised and the potential for our lives. Researchers say that every child has some type of genius capability in them, yet they do admit that many times it isn't ever discovered. And one of the reasons for this is because most people are conditioned 
from their childhood to expect mediocrity, to live and exist as an average, just to be status quo, just to exist and to get by. That's the way that we're conditioned, and many times we never venture out of that, and we find that genius that is there. However, uh, on some rare occasions, there's people that their lives intersect something that awakens that potential, and they discover what it is that is the purpose, you would say, for their life, and what they were really born to do. And uh, we, a lot of times, call them prodigies. We, we call them extraordinary. We say, well, that person is a genius, or whatever you will. But something has been awakened there. God uses these type of things himself in a spiritual way to awaken potential, uh, to, to help us to realize what he has really called and ordained for us to do. I believe every person in this place, according to the word of God, we are called according to his purpose. In other words, there is a purpose for us. There's something that God has in mind for us. When he created us, when we breathed our first breath, and I'm going to prove it to you in the Word of God, there was something that God had in His plan for each of our lives. Something specific that He wants us to do and to achieve throughout our lives for His kingdom's sake. And can I say that our fulfillment, our completeness, our happiness, our satisfaction lies in us being able to discover what that is and to realize that potential. Sometimes God uses bizarre things, and God uses unusual things. Even in people's lives, you'll notice that sometimes they discover they discover or come to themselves because of some happening in their life that shakes them and startles them. I used to listen to a, a, a fellow that was sort of into, uh, I guess you would say, self-help or coaching life coaching, and his, his name was Jim Rohn. He's since passed away, but he used to uh, be familiar with apostolics. His daddy was a preacher, and uh, uh, in his life, Jim Rohn was just aimless uh, in his 20s, broke, and he said uh, life is, is really wasn't going anywhere, and, and uh, it seemed like he was just stalled out. And he said, during this period of time, he, he, he spoke of this as being his time of awakening and the moment when things changed for him. His life intersected with something, a situation that caused him to be awakened. And he said he was at his home one day and there was a little Girl Scout. Some of you may have heard me tell this story that came selling Girl Scout cookies. It was that time of the year. It was that season and she came and knocked on the door and offered him some cookies, went through the spill. And at the end of it, instead of telling her he didn't have the money to buy the cookies, he lied and said, well, all I have is a $100 bill. And so I don't have the change, and so therefore I can't buy the cookies today. If you'll come back some other time, I'll purchase them. And he said, when the little girl uh, walked away and I closed the door, he said, when I turned around, something smote me in my heart and said, Jim Rohn, 
you have reached an all-time low. You're lying to little Girl Scouts. And he said, I was overwhelmed with disgust. And it was at that moment that I realized that something had to change in my life. That I could not continue as I had been. That I had to be a different person because I didn't like the man that I had become. I didn't like the individual that I had allowed myself to become. And so I know that there's more potential here. I know that I could do more than what I'm doing. And so I'm going to get myself in order. And I'm going to change something. I'm going to take responsibility. And I really think that's what this text that I read to you from in Joel chapter number 3 is all about. Prepare war. Wake up, mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. Everything represented in this portion of Scripture has something latent within it. The potential is present. It just has not been realized. Or it has not been teased out, as it were. It has not been discovered. The weak is represented here. But strength is clearly within the weak waiting to be extracted. It speaks about the plowshare. The plowshare is here. But within the plowshare is a sword. But it has to be realized and discovered and developed. The pruning hook, it is here. But within the pruning hook is a spear. But it has to be realized. It has to be developed. It has to be discovered. The weakness, it is here. But within the weakness, there is strength. But that strength has to be discovered. So within every plowshare is a sword. And every pruning hook is a spear. And every weakness, there is strength. It's just waiting to be extracted. It's just waiting to be pulled out. There is a mighty man, but that mighty man that is written about in this scripture has to be awakened, has to be alert. Oh, there's, there's power here and there's potential here and there's a man that can bring victory. There's a man that can bring conquest. There's a man that can overcome. There's a man that can do great exploits. There's a man that has the power and the potential to do great things. But he has to be shaken and stirred to an awareness that he is a mighty man. That mighty man has to be awakened. And Joel is the prophet that prophesies about revival. He prophesies about how that God is going to give back the years that the canker worm and the pommel worm and the caterpillar has eaten up. He's going to give a harvest, in other words. He's going to bring victory, in other words. But it starts when you tap into the potential that God has already placed within us. Amen. Sometimes we look around and we're waiting on God when God's saying everything that you need, everything that you've been looking for, 
everything that you have desired, every promise that I have given is bound up within you. You just need to discover it. You need to activate your faith. You need to believe me for my promise. You need to take what I have given you and exercise it. You need to take what I have placed within you and develop it. Within the pruning hook is a spear. And within the plowshare, there's a sword. And within the weak, there is strength. And if the mighty man ever wakes up, you talk about revival. You talk about blessings. You talk about greatness. Wake up the mighty man. Come on, clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Your need for blessing is within you. Your need for victory is within you. Your need for overcoming something that seems so insurmountable in your life, it is within you. We oftentimes, we look other places. I know people drive 500 miles to get somebody to prophesy over them. Well, that's great, but I'm just telling you, you've got the Holy Ghost. You've got something within you just like that individual's got Amen. You need to believe the Word of God and realize, uh, amen, there's strength within me. I've just got to tap into it. Uh, there's power within me. I've just got to tap into it. Come on, does somebody hear me preach tonight? Uh, I want you to realize, I want to preach you out of that place uh, of discouragement and complacent. I want somebody to be shaken awake and realize uh, the devil may have uh, beaten you around until you punch drunk, uh, but I want you to wake up and realize, uh, amen, I may have been pushed around a little bit, but I'm not out of the game. Uh, there's still power here. There's still strength here. There's still ability here. Amen. I'm going to wake up the mighty man. I'm going to wake up that within me that God's wanting to stir and awaken and allow it to be challenged to do something great for God. And you know, sometimes it may appear to be ordinary. It may appear to be mundane. It may be so usual, uneventful, unexceptional, unremarkable that it's overlooked. Because, you know, again, we're always looking for the flash in the bang. But in the ordinary is greatness. And in the mundane, many times, is the miraculous power of God. I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter number 1 and how when God called Jeremiah, the Bible said in verse number 4 of chapter 1, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, I formed thee in the belly. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I want you to know, before you ever breathed your first breath, Jeremiah, on planet Earth, I already had a plan for you. I already put potential in you. When I created you, when you were just in an embryonic state, I want to tell you that I had a plan for your life. When you were still in the womb, I had a plan. And there's potential that is there. And notice Notice Jeremiah's response to this. Then I, then said I, ah, oh, Lord God. How many has ever said that? Ah, oh, Lord, uh, you don't understand. Behold, 
I cannot speak, for I am a child. I don't have the potential that you think I have. I don't have the abilities, God, that you think I do. I am certainly not all that I seem to be. Obviously, you don't know or feel or experience what I do. And he was questioning the calling of God. He was questioning what God had placed in the anointing that was there on his life. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And he and I, I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Now, I, I, I was reading this and studying this today, and I, I was looking at it very closely, and I thought to myself, well, surely he's making a reference here to the rod of Aaron which budded, and this proclaimed, uh, this proclaimed that Aaron was the man of God and the man that was to be used of God as far as the priest was, priesthood was concerned. And this was the way that God confirmed that he was the one that was chosen was by the rod that was placed up. Many of the rods were placed up in the presence of the Lord, but it was Aaron's rod that budded and uh, produced almonds. And this was uh, surely a reference to that, and that is exactly right. Of course, the Lord is trying to confirm to Jeremiah that I'm with you just like I was with him. But it goes beyond that. As I was reading some commentary on this, I found that the almond among all of the all of the uh, fruit-bearing trees and, and uh, all of the trees that bloom and produce uh, any kind of uh, nuts or fruit or anything that is edible. The almond tree is the one that blooms first, or at least in their part of the world. It was the thing that would always bloom first. And the writer said it this way. He said it was the, it was the plant that awakened first from its dormant state. It was the plant that awakened first from its repose of being uh, basically dormant through the winter months. But in January, early in the year, it would blossom and begin to bloom. And then it would come to maturation and it would begin to produce almonds around March. And when I saw that, it correlated exactly with what I was preaching here tonight. And I realized something. Amen. He was trying to show Jeremiah, I am awakening something within you I want you to realize that this is just typical of what I want to do within you just like that that seems so dormant that seems like it's unproductive that seems virtually dead I am able to bring forth blossoms from it and I'm able to spring forth and make it fruitful that's the same thing that I want to do through you man of God that's the same potential that is bound 
bound up within you. I want to preach to somebody here tonight. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that God doesn't want to anoint and to bless and to touch and to favor your life. But God has his hand on you. Wake up, mighty man, and realize that there's blessings to be possessed. There's revival to be had. There's great things that God wants to do through my life. He wants to use me. Why don't you lift up your hands to the Lord and let's give him praise right now. You see, Jeremiah was busy telling God what he was and God in turn told him who he was. It's not what you are presently. That's already that's already seen. That's already awake, in other words. But I'm trying to wake up in you who you can be. Can I just preach to you a little bit tonight? I realize that we've already had a pretty good move here and and and, and we kind of get relaxed and that's okay. I, I just I'm just gonna preach as I feel led in the Holy Ghost. But uh well, is that okay? Praise God. Let me just talk to us about our potential. You know, let me talk to these young people. God, God didn't call you to be an expert PlayStation player. Yeah, that's pretty good, I guess. I guess. Kind of hard for me to get my mind around, but anyway. I'm not here bashing that or throwing any stones at it. But let us tell you that that's not the maximum of what God wants to do through you. I remember, uh, I think I, I spoke about this just the other day. I don't remember exactly where I was when I, I spoke to so many different places here lately. I had kind of hard to keep track of it all. But anyway, I was, I was giving the example that I was speaking to some young men here at the sixth grade little program that they have here at the middle school, and they, they wanted some people from town to come speak and be mentors to these young men. And I, was, I would ask them, I said, what do you guys want to do when you grow up without fail every one of them I want to be a professional basketball player I want to be a professional football player I said well I didn't want to you know I didn't want to rain on the parade right there altogether so I said what what's plan B in case they don't work out I said you know uh, of course there could be injury of course you know you gotta uh, you're talking about just uh, maybe one percent that, that becomes that. So what are you going to do if that doesn't work out? And they kind of uh, got to scratching their head and got to thinking about that. Pretty good question. Uh, perhaps God has another purpose for your life than what sometimes we get so set on. God has more potential for us than sometimes we get so hung up on. That's not, that may be something you do right now, but I'm just going to tell you that isn't all that God wants to do. That may be who you are presently, but that's not what he wants you to be. That's not really what you are in the end. God has called you according to his purpose. Come on, not just according to my temporal desires and how I feel at a certain period in my life, but everything that I do. Amen. When I come to this realization, everything I do has to be in 
preparation for that purpose. It has to be a preparation for that. I've got an appointment with destiny. And so everything I do from this moment on, I've got to put my heart into it. I can't just be, I just can't be this, this drifting through life. I can't be coasting. Amen. I've got to make up my mind every day. I've got to develop a work ethic. I've got to have some disciplines. I've got to make up my mind to get on top of this flesh and, and get control of the appetites of my flesh and realize that if I'm going to do what God wants me to do, if I'm going to fulfill His purpose, then I've got to get focused and I've got to see that awakened in my life because it has to be developed. It's not just going to happen on its own. Amen. Now I realize that there are certain things we do, but that doesn't mean that's what we are completely when it comes to God and His kingdom. You may be a clerk, but that doesn't mean that's what you are. You may be a salesman, but that doesn't mean that's what you are in the eyes of God. You may be a tire builder, but that's not what you are. That's just a means to an end. But there's a higher purpose and there's a higher calling and there's a higher place that God wants to take you to and God wants to use you in. You may, you may continue to be a clerk. You may continue to be a salesman. But while you're doing that, God is going to let you fulfill and develop that higher calling and you develop that thing that God wants you to do and God anoints you and use you to do great things in His kingdom. You believe that tonight? That is something that has to be awakened. That's something that we have, to, we have to work to allow God to develop in our life. It has to be, I don't know if this is the, the proper way to say it, but it has, to be, uh, it has to be coerced and extracted out of us. In Judges chapter number 6, Gideon is a man, of course, that has been under siege. Verse 12, the Bible said he is threshing wheat by the winepress. What used to be an active winepress has suddenly became overgrown with weeds and brush and it's not ever used to be that anymore. Rather, it's a place to hide where he can thresh out a little handful of wheat to survive and exist another day. And he's hiding there from the enemy, the Midianites, and as he's threshing the wheat, the angel of the Lord speaks to him. It says in verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Now that statement had to be startling to Gideon, thy mighty man of valor. You've got to get the picture here. This is a man that for the past seven years has lived in trepidation. For the past seven years have lived in oppression. For the last seven years has just lived hand to mouth. As soon as they'd get a crop up, the enemy would swoop down out of the mountains, steal the crop away, run away with it, and leave them starving. And so they would have to go to the inroads or wherever they, they could get a handful of food somewhere. They, they would... They would forage around and, and find something to eat, and they'd survive till the next season. They'd put another crop in, and the same thing would happen over and over again. Not one year, not two years, not three years, not four years, but seven years. They'd get a, a cow that is getting ready to calve, and, and they're excited about expanding the herd, and all of a sudden 
As soon as it got up and got time for it to be healthy and on its feet and graze on its own, the enemy would come down and steal it and take it away from him. And this happened over and over again. So you get the picture here. Gideon is hiding. He's fearful. He looks more like a coward than he looks like a mighty man. But this visitation from the angel of the Lord awakens something within him. I want to tell you, again, one visitation from God can change everything. One of the lowest periods of my life was when I was 19 years old. It was a low, low time because uh, we had purchased a trailer and I was pulling it out to California most of you have probably heard at least a little bit of this story. And we got out there about halfway and fell asleep in that trailer. And there was a butane leak. And I woke up and the trailer, in other words, was, uh, to make a long story short, it was on fire. Everything was consumed. I barely got out with my life. And everything I had as far as possessions was gone in a moment. I mean, it was burned up. And the next day we went out there and I was looking through the ashes with a stick trying to find... Uh, some keys, I remember, with my father. And we were, and it was just literally a flatbed trailer. And I thought, is this, is this what it means to be called of God? Is this, this what it means to be used of the Lord? Is this what it means to, uh, to be in ministry? Is this, this, this where it all going to start? Is this, this, we're getting out real good here. It seems like we're starting off with a, literally a bang. And so uh, I just, I, I was just, beside myself and I remember standing there looking in the mirror because my face on one side was blistered and my hair was singed in some places on this side all the way down to the scalp. I remember the first haircut I went to get, that person thought that it was their responsibility to cut out all the singed hair. And so I was going to meet the California District Board the next day after this haircut. And... I'll never forget, it was just nearly shaved on one side, it seemed like. Just barely enough to, I was going to, uh, to be licensed. And, and I walked in, they said, well, this dude definitely doesn't have a problem with long hair. But I had, had places on my face that were burnt. And, and for, for several months, it was just, just a red area around uh, my eye socket in that area where it had been blistered up. and uh, But I'll never forget standing there in front of a mirror, looking at my face for the first time and thinking maybe this is, you know, going to be scarred and, and thinking about all the possessions that were gone. Didn't have one thing. Matter of fact, my wife brought me some clothes from her grandfather. It's the only thing they could rustle up uh, quickly. And, and they brought me some clothes. And I remember that's what I wore uh, on the way home, on the way on home. Uh, from where I was at, and uh, I remember thinking to myself, "Man, this is this is not good. This is." But I remember standing there in the presence of God and and feeling the confirmation and a visitation. I'll never, I'll never forget the feeling that I felt that 
that it's going to be okay. It may not look good right now, but it's not over with. It's not, it's not done with. Uh, this is not the end of the matter. This is, this is not, this is not, this doesn't mean that, that there's not a future. Amen. You just got to be faithful. You got to, this is just a trial and it's just temporary and it's not going to last like this. It's not going to be like this forever. And I learned a lesson in that time that there has to be sometimes some things that keeps us uh, reaching and keeps us uh, hungering for God and keeps us thirsty for the Lord because if everything's easy and if everything's comfortable, sometimes we never develop an appetite. We never get hungry for God. We never want to go to the next level. And God was teaching me at that young age that if you're going to be used, if you're going to be anointed, you can never be settled. You can never just learn to live and exist and get by. But you got to stay hungry. you got to stay thirsty for the Lord. One visitation can change everything. Why don't you stand with me right now? Praise God. It was a few years later after that that, that uh, I was there at the home church and I was praying in the sanctuary late one night. I would go in there after hours, after everybody was asleep and after everybody was retired for the night, and I would go in there and I would pray sometimes for a long period of time. And uh, this was a desperate time during my life. I needed God to confirm to me again that I was doing His will. It seems like things had just kind of stalled out. And I remember praying in that sanctuary, and I, it was at that moment that I died out to God. And I said, God, wherever and however you want to use me, I'm totally yielded to you. You just open the doors. You just provide the way. And God amazingly, from that moment until this, has taken care of me and watched over me. And I felt the presence of the Lord come down in that sanctuary and visit me in a very powerful way that I'll never, never, ever forget. If you've never had one of those moments, you need to get you one. Amen. If you've never had one of those moments when your life intersected with Him, and, and he visited you in a powerful way. You need to receive that because it will make all the difference in the world. There's a young man out west in Spokane, Washington. This is just recently. He was a backslidden boy that his family was involved with music. And uh, his name is Kyle. Kyle got involved with a band his older brother was in and thing got some traction and they got noticed by some other people that were in that world and began to travel around the nation even in Europe I think some singing they had platforms with some of the biggest names in the industry and things were were taking off as far as that was concerned and he was home there in Spokane one one evening, and there, Brother Mayo was having a really a doctrinal symposium. It was just kind of an intellectual thing where scholars were coming together and they was talking the word of the Lord. But on the last night of that symposium, they were going to have Brother Marks there, and Brother Marks was going to just really just open up and preach, and it was just going to be a demonstration of the apostolic message that they had been talking about for the last couple of days. They were going to show and invite visitors and, and, and really let 
be manifest what they had already been teaching and talking about. And, and the young man didn't realize that, and obviously the person that invited him didn't realize that. He said, come on, you know, Brother Marks will be speaking tonight. And he knew who Brother Marks was, and he, he came to the, to the meeting, fully expecting a symposium, fully expecting, you know, a lecture. And he got there that night. It was a full-blown church service, but God had a plan with it all. God wanted to visit that young man that was backslidden and away from him and doing things that he shouldn't be doing and involved in areas that he shouldn't have been. And at the end of the preaching, God got a hold of him and began to stir his heart. And he came and he yielded his life. Some of you may have seen his music of late. This young man started writing songs and singing worship courses. And uh, God has his hand upon him. But it was one visitation that changed everything. One visitation that turned everything around. I'm going to tell you, it can do that here tonight for somebody. Something could click. Something could fall in place. What you've been looking for and what you've been searching for can suddenly happen. Amen. That's the way the Spirit works. What, what was once difficult can become easy all of a sudden when you get in sync with God's Spirit. What has been a struggle can suddenly, it, it can, it, everything can fall in place and that moment can come when suddenly you realize I'm in the will of God now and God is with me and God is working for me and God is, is going to make the way that I need to, to walk in and I don't have to worry about it. God's got me in His hands and God's in control of this. I don't really know how to conclude this tonight, but I just felt this is a word from the Lord that God wants to awaken a mighty man within somebody here tonight. God wants to awaken, give somebody a visitation. I'll tell this one story and I'll, I'll close. Some friends that I'd been praying for their son for a long time and uh, was away from God and they were away preaching and a spirit of travail came on them and they were praying little did they know that that son that was away from God was at a concert a rock concert of some kind and there he was really Mine was altered by drugs and everything else. There he was actually fell out on the floor in that, that room where this concert was taking place. That's the way he tells the story. And as he was there, he said God began to visit him and God began to move on him. God began to bring that desire and that hunger for the things of the Lord back to him. He didn't know exactly what his mom and dad was doing or where they were at. He just knew they were out of town. And he called, and they had just left that apostolic church service where they had been praying for him and under a burden for him. And he said, Mom and Dad, if you'll allow me to, he said, I'm packing all my things up, and I'm coming home, and I want to get right with God. I want to live for the Lord. I'm telling you, one visitation from God. God can reach to wherever someone is, and He can visit them, and He can talk to them, and He can deal with them. God can stir them. 
Brother Eddie, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You know what it is to have God visit you and God move on you. A long time, a man that was away from God and it seemed like there was no hope. But God got a hold of him. And the, and the things that was down there in his heart that had been taught to him suddenly were awakened. The mighty man woke up and he realized, i got to get back to church. i got to get back into the presence of God. And he's here today worshiping the Lord because God awakened the mighty man. The potential is latent within us and God's going to stir it up tonight if we'll allow him to. Who wants to be stirred by the Lord? Is there somebody that wants a visitation tonight?